Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome into Oklahoma Breakdown, a podcast about all things Oklahoma football uh, as well as basketball. I am Matt Ravis, Jack Shields. How are you? Pretty good, man. How are you? Doing good. Uh, in this episode, uh, we are, first of all, we are one week after Kyler Murray wins the Heisman Trophy. We are, at time of recording, two weeks away from the uh, the matchup between Alabama and Oklahoma in the college football playoff. Uh, what were what were the, uh, the the betting lines here? There's 14 points, correct? 14 right now, yeah. At time of recording, and uh, 81 and a half total. Yeah, I believe that's the over under. Yeah, at this point, 81 and a half. So uh, we're slam the over. Give our predictions, our actual score predictions at the end of the game. But I guess just to, or at the end of the podcast, rather. We should do it at the end of the game. We get it right, probably. Yeah, that would be a lot easier. I wish you could bet that way. That'd be. Um, I may not be doing the podcast. Money. Yeah, if, uh, I'd be done. No, yeah, I'd, be, be in, <laughs> I'd be in. I'd be in Vegas right or now. some shit. Absolutely. So, um, first things first. Uh, Fourteen points for Alabama. Is that a is that a fair line? You think Oklahoma can beat that spread? I think it's a fair line. I think Oklahoma can beat the spread, but I mean, it's. I mean, I don't really see Oklahoma's defense getting too many stops. So, I mean, I would definitely. I'd definitely favor Alabama. I'd pick Alabama to win the game, but I mean, at the same time, OU's offense is going to find ways to score. So. I don't think this is going to be a blowout by any means. So, yeah, 14, yeah, that seems reasonable. I asked uh, Eric Evans, who we talked to later in this podcast of the Roll Bama Roll blog, what the upper point total for Oklahoma points would be uh, for the game that you think would win them the game. He said, Or, about, or would make it like an interesting yeah, game. Yeah, make it at least a uh, get, the, get the panic uh, meter rising for Alabama fans, Alabama players, coaches, etc. What would be the upper point total for you? For, for Oklahoma points that uh, you you think that they would need? Uh, in the high 40s, I would say maybe the low 50s. Because, I mean, this is, I mean, as good as the offenses you see in the Big 12 happen to be, this this group from Alabama doesn't really have much of a weakness offensively. So, you know, two is outstanding. That offensive line is dominant. That backfield is very underrated. The receivers are NFL caliber. I mean, it's... The and the offense is more dynamic than it's been in the past as well. That's one of the luxuries of having a guy like Tua on the roster. So, you know, I, yeah, I, I would say that it's going to be a shootout because I'm also confident that Oklahoma can score as well. So. How many combined third down stops and turnovers do you think Oklahoma's going to need? Ooh, in this game? ooh, ooh. Uh, I mean, I would say probably five. Six? I yeah, more than usual, I would say. Yeah, I mean they're gonna they need would, a couple turnovers. Yeah, at least. they're gonna need a they're gonna need some momentum swinging plays of some sort. I mean, I, I would say you know what, I bet four or five stops would potentially get the job done, but I'm not 
that confident in them getting that many stops. So. No, it's it, it's feasible that they don't stop that yeah. offense. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's they yeah. they're just that good, and the defense is just that bad. Unfortunately, um, I do think it'll be. A they more... did do well against Texas, like as far as. Yeah. Uh, Schematically, I you mean you've got to tip the hat to Ruffin for what he did uh, switching over to the uh, more of a four three hybrid scheme instead of the uh, nickel scheme that you saw against Texas in the first matchup, and it obviously didn't help anything in the passing game. But I mean, you sort of neutralized what Sam Ellinger was doing with the run and what Texas did with the run in general. So taking that away and sort of taking away Texas bread and butter that was uh, that was pretty impressive on McNeil's part, and that won the game. So that was uh, that was good. I don't know what he has up his sleeve for this Alabama offense, but, you know, I'm maybe they can surprise us, so I don't know. I still think it's a far more interesting game than the other college football playoff yeah, matchup, Clem- which is Clemson, Clemson is going Dame. to rail Notre Dame. Absolutely. I've never been a believer in Notre Dame all season long. Absolutely so. throttle Notre Dame. So, yeah, I still think Alabama-Oklahoma – uh, I think there's going to be more eyeballs on that. I think it's going to be yeah. going to be more fireworks. And it's going to be in prime time too. I mean, hopefully it's it'll be, be a closer game. That uh, this we'll just... this might be one of the highest rated non-national championship college football games that you're going to see in years. I mean, years from now and years in the past. I mean, it's it's going to draw a lot of eyeballs. I mean, the contrasting styles plus it's the. Uh, Top two finishers for the Heisman Trophy and all that stuff. There's an endless amount of storylines. People are going to watch, want to watch Kyler Murray. I mean, he's becoming quite a sensation. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be way more eyeballs than the first game for sure. I don't know how many people actually care outside of those two fan bases about that first game, honestly. So, absolutely. Um, any other New Year's Day ish bowl games that you're really really excited about oh i mean i i would have been much more excited for the fiesta bowl if not for uh mckenzie milton being out but yeah that that sucks it that, really it really sucks for for everybody especially ucf fans but yeah no i agree uh, i'm trying to think uh florida michigan does not interest me at all i think georgia texas bowl. is going to be an interesting that the, i think it'll be interesting it'll be the fun Rose? i don't think Rose Bowl. Correct? I don't think Texas really has much of a chance in that game. No, I don't I mean, think so I, I think either. Georgia's super. They're they're pretty legit. Jake Fromm is so underrated. He's a he's way more than just a game manager. I mean, he's a legitimately a very accurate and poised quarterback. I mean, he's he's a talented guy. So how about uh, Iowa State Washington State? That's, That's one that I am really intrigued by. And Iowa State is gonna roll, 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 roll out to that game as as much as. As much as their uh, the size of their fan base allows, essentially they they're serving Bush Light in the Alamo Dome just for this game because Iowa State people are coming. That's I've, pretty cool. Yep. Oh, you I, you uh, remember our guest from Wide Right Natty Light talking about yep. Bush Latte? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's 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 very 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 much a thing for those people. And I've got Iowa State fans who are they're gonna, there's going to be so much demand for that Bush Latte yes. that. They're actually just going to serve it in the Alamo Dome. That's pretty cool. I've got Iowa State. I'd like fans to go to that family, game. so oh, I, nice. I think that they'll be there for sure. That would be fun Bush to go Latte. to. Like I would, I mean, the you'd pregame uh, on the Riverwalk, and I mean, you can rock, walk from the Riverwalk to the Alamo Dome. It's a bit of a trek, but it's doable. I did it for the, I guess the it was the '07 Big Twelve Championship game against Mizzou when OU stomped them. That was pretty fun. But yeah, the uh, yeah, that's a. Pretty cool environment for a football game, honestly. Uh, certainly is. 
So there you go. I mean, that honestly, other than those matchups that I just mentioned, there's not really many it's other not bowl that matchups. Great of a bowl season. I honestly. think it's just a down year for college football in in, in general. Yeah, kinda. I, I I think it's kind of fair to say that at this point in the season. Yeah, there wasn't that much drama throughout the season. I mean, they it obviously had its moments, but I mean, it was the teams in the college football playoff were in a, a tier, you know, under themselves. I mean, Georgia had an argument to be in the college football playoff. Basically, Oklahoma is the only thing that could save this from being one of the most boring seasons in recent memory, honestly. Completely. Um, so, I, I, I do think, though, um, the fact that Kyler Murray wins the Heisman, like you said, that that certainly adds some fuel to Alabama. Gives them some They'd bulletin. be motivated anyway. It'll though. give I them mean, some bulletin a... board material. You know that, uh, yeah. that, that Saban will use that a little bit. I heard that Saban brought in I'm... DJ Durkin, by the way, disgraced uh, and fired. I don't know what the hell he was thinking Maryland coach. That. I mean, I guess, I mean... Bama's actually starting to catch some heat for that. So I mean, which Bama seems to be above that kind of thing as far as catching too much heat for it. I mean, I feel like other people would get slammed for that a bit more than Nick Saban does, but he's catching some justified heat for it. No, I mean, yeah, it's, absolutely. It was Dan Wolken wrote wrote something about it. It was pretty scathing. So, and what they if- had a they had an opportunity to answer Dan Wolken's questions, and they didn't do it. They chose not to get out in front of the message, and now Bama's going to be dragged for it. Yeah, absolutely. That's bad PR on their part. Yes, it is. Uh, one more thing before we get to our interview. Um, Jack, the Heisman ceremony last week, um, the Vegas odds had kind of shown us who was going to win that thing. Kyler yeah. became the odds-on favorite. At that point, Vegas we were pretty sure. Vegas doesn't mess around. No, no, they don't. They, they, they don't lose. I mean, they lose money, but overall they're going to make more money than they, uh, than they lose because that's their business, and they're really, really good at it. Um, but – you know, I thought it was going to be a a tighter race than it was, but but Kyler Murray in in just about every single region, yeah, he pulled pulled away from Tua. Barely well. won the southeast, just I mean, barely even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. And Kyler notched obviously all the other uh, the other regions, so it was interesting. And then uh, what what do you make of? Um, don't want to spoil too much, but uh, our, our our guest talked about a Heisman. Not controversy is not maybe the right way to put no, that. No, I mean, a, just, a, a bone just he had to a, pick with the Heisman ceremony. Yeah, I mean, I his complaint was that defensive players, especially dominant ones, don't really get a fair shake and don't get enough media play. I mean, and Domikong Su should have won the Heisman the year that he was he was up on stage. I thought I, so too. I believe that. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely believe that. But um, unfortunately, I mean, not, not that Mark a, Ingram wasn't great, but I mean, I, I think Sue would have been the. Uh, he was the best player in college football. And there, there were lots of players that year with, with arguments for and, that award. You know, I I think Kyler Murray deserved to win the Heisman, obviously, but uh, you know, I he made a very good point about Quinn and Williams too. He is one of the best uh, defensive players I've seen in a very long time. So, and he won the Outland Award. So he's yeah, he's fantastic. He is a dominant, dominant, dominant defensive lineman, and uh, even OU's very, very, very good. Offensive line, one of the most dominant offensive lines in the country, arguably the most dominant offensive line in the country, gonna have their hands full like they haven't in uh, quite some time. Not since they played Ohio State last year, I guess. So, or maybe even Georgia. I, I would, I'd give the nod to Ohio State though over Georgia's defensive front. So that was pretty beastly. But uh, no, Quinnen is. He's a monster. Yeah, I mean the Heisman Award. Let's just not even pretend anymore. It's going to go to the quarterback of the, yeah, of the and best it's going to go to Tua next year. I don't know why Bama fans are complaining so much because if Tua stays healthy in 2019, that award is going to be handed to him on a silver platter. 
you know, I mean, it, it's it almost seems predetermined at this point. Ten percent of you know Heisman voters had their votes in before the conference championship week, and I mean, it's probably conceivable to think that a lot of those, the majority of those, went to two already. Yeah, it was really the conference championship week, and that changed the perception when two, you know, basically. He didn't get benched. He was hurt, but you know, in, in a way, uh, he w- he was not very good that entire game. And Jalen Hurts coming in and won them the thing, and that's almost he what, was hurt though. I mean, too, he, that, he, there's a legitimate gripe there, but I mean, he was he was definitely hurt. He got hurt on the fourth play of the game, but uh, and then got really hurt, uh, I guess, in the third quarter. But yeah, like I said, uh, you know, Kyler had his Heisman moments, so to speak. So uh, that's what it comes down to, didn't have that. So it is an it's a narrative award. I'll put it that way. More than anything else, although I I mean I I think there's there's merit to it too. I mean, Kyler had to make plays in every game. Tua, you know, he's you can argue that he was the best player in college football this year, but I, you know, at the same time, Jalen Hurts could have won them. 12 games this year. Yeah, the margin games, of so. error between the two quarterbacks yeah, was pretty yeah. considerably different. Razor thin for Kyler Murray, and uh, Tua barely had to play in any fourth quarter. So. Exactly. Uh, all right, without further ado, we are going to get into our guest, Eric Evans of Roll Bama Roll. He is the site manager there. Uh, great conversation with him about all things Alabama football, previewing this Oklahoma-Alabama matchup. That's coming up next on Oklahoma Breakdown. All right, so now we bring in our man Eric Evans from Roll Bama Roll. He is the site manager, uh, like I said, for, for Roll Bama Roll. That's SB Nation's Alabama football community. Eric, thanks for joining us tonight. Oh, glad to be here. How are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Just really, really excited. Cannot wait for these two teams to match up. Uh, seems like forever. It'll be here before we know it. So, yeah, I, I cannot wait for this game. So let's start this off by beating a dead horse. All three of these Heisman finalists last week had their own individual strong cases. And, you know, as an Oklahoma fan, someone who watched every game of Kyler Murray, I personally felt that he deserved the Heisman. But from your perspective, why do you think Tua deserved it? I don't think that Tua deserved you it. Don't? I think okay. I, I think the best player in the country was not on the stage, and that was Quinnen Williams. Ah, from, yo, he is uh, yes. great. Yeah, there you go. From, literally, literally, from the first snap of Louisville until the final snap of <laughs> Georgia, he dominated every series he was in. Um, he had the most dominant performance by a defensive lineman since Domicon Sue. And Sue at least got on the stage. Quinn Williams right. finished eighth, and that was that was actually just a, a, tra- a travesty. So, I mean, I, I think that an Alabama guy did get the shaft, but it was the wrong one. So <laughs> that is not what I expected, but it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the guy won the Outland for a reason as a redshirt sophomore. Do you think he's gone after this playoff? I would assume. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's absolutely gone. Jonathan Allen um, said two years ago to keep an eye out on Quinton Williams. Williams actually was a defensive end. He got moved to the inside after Deron Payne left for the pros. Uh, he's not even playing his natural position. Um, but I, I think, you know, when you've got defensive end skills that you can bring on the inside and that kind of strength and that slippery, I, I think he's gone. I mean, most people have him going in the top three or four. Some have him projected as high as two behind Bosa. I, there's no way he comes back. You know, Alabama has had a, a ton of good defensive players over the years. I don't need to tell you that. 
um, under Nick Saban, does obviously you have a high opinion of Williams. Is he number one in your mind? I I don't know. I, it depends on you know, sort of sort of the defense that you have. Um, you know, every, probably my favorite defender was Eddie Jackson, and I think you've seen what he's doing with the Bears, and yeah, you know, he's just he's around the ball constantly. And he generates turnovers and then turns them into scores. I am fully convinced Alabama does not lose to Clemson in the last second if Eddie Jackson's in the game. Interesting. Now, switching the topic back to Tua, he's obviously a special talent. What about his skill set in particular separates him from some of the previous Alabama signal callers under Nick Saban? I think it's what separates him from most college players. Um, he has NFL accuracy. He makes a read and throw in about 1.2 to 1.7 seconds on average. Um, when he get, when he got hurt, he started taking longer. And I think you saw that the last four or five games where he was taking three seconds or so, in particular against Georgia when he was really banged up. You know, he was you know, waiting too long to get rid of the ball. You know, wasn't really stepping up into his throw. And was able to get, you know, by delaying, was able to get baited into some things that um, the Georgia secondary was doing. But you know, he's he's preternaturally smart, and then has got just pinpoint accuracy, uh, brilliant accuracy. I, he's been helped out, of course, by you know, on a few passes that he's missed by having the wide receiving core that Alabama does, but. He's so fast with the read at the line, so fast to get rid of the ball. And then when he does get rid of it, it's it's in, out, gone. And it's 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 NFL level quarterbacking. I I'm not sure if you've read, you know, the stories from NFL quarterbacks, like present ones, where you know, Drew Brees is calling the kids special. I mean, I think that tells you something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now Alabama's offense as a whole has been fantastic all around this season, but the backfield, for the first time in a while, seems to be sort of the overlooked uh, aspect of the offense, uh, despite rushing for over 200 yards a game. Uh, What do the two Harrises and Tulsa McLean's own Josh Jacobs bring to the table for this team? Let's start start with with Josh Jacobs. Um, When he signed three years ago, I read a story up about how he was going to be everyone's favorite player. He's just a he's a neat kid. He's a he's a good, smart guy, and he was you know overlooked pretty much shamefully by everyone. You know, in this day in this day and age, it's hard to overlook a recruit. You know, with that kind of talent, these guys are you know dissected and in and out of camps from the time you know they're 11 years old. Um, so it's rare to have a, a true diamond in the rough. He's probably the most versatile back that Alabama has. Um, Saban has praised him since he was a true freshman. He runs with the most power. He's got the best hands out of the backfield. He's the most physical blocker. And he's probably the best return man, too. He just does everything so well. I mean, he reminds you of a prototypical running back that you know guys like Bill Belichick love. You know, does a little bit of everything really well. Um, Najee Harris is uh, imagine Derrick Henry with better feet. Um, That's pretty he's, scary. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's really he's balletic. He's you know can run a, a serious 
you know, tightrope. And unlike Henry, though, he, he likes to lower his shoulders. Um, Henry saved a lot of wear and tear on his body in college by stepping out of bounds. I don't remember the last time I've ever seen Najee step out of bounds. Um, he, he likes to likes to lower the boom. But because, you know, these guys are splitting so many carries, there's not any particular load on any one person. Uh, Damian Harris is, he's kind of like, trying to think of a, a quarterback analog. Maybe Aaron Murray from Georgia. He's one of the most decorated players in SEC history that no one ever really thinks of. Damian Harris is second behind Bo Jackson in yards per carry for a career. He's uh, just eight-tenths of a yard behind Bo Jackson. Um, he's got a chance to have a 1,000 yards for every every year of his career. Um, he's probably you know, the most polished, complete running back, yeah, just like a pure standard running back. But Josh Jacobs is the one that you're going to see a lot of. He's, he's Tua's best friend. He's in the game and sees a lot of snaps to keep that guy healthy. You know, in Oklahoma's defense, they've done pretty well for themselves as far as running back recruiting is concerned, but mm-hmm. Oklahoma did get in on Josh Jacobs inexcusably too late. I mean, he's right in your own backyard, and I mean, I feel like if they had gotten to him maybe in the fall at some point, he could have ended up in Norman, but the fact that they, you know, offered him in January, right around the time that Bam and Missouri did, I mean, that's... Uh, that's something you've got to kick yourself on a little bit. But, I mean, like I said, Oklahoma's done fine for themselves. But he's he's a fantastic player who definitely would have played a big role here. But switching over to the defense, Bama has been its dominant self. And uh, other than Quinnen Williams, who we already talked about, what are some of the names that uh, Oklahoma fans should familiarize themselves with before the Orange Bowl? And outside of Williams, who do you think has the highest professional ceiling? Oh, uh, the highest professional ceiling probably uh, it's going to be Deontay Thompson. Uh, he's the his safety. He's he's gone. He's first round pick. Um, you know he's he, he's in the mold of of you know he he hits like Ha Ha Clinton Dix, but has better ball skills. Um, much more fluid back there with the ball in the air. And you know he's done a great job shutting down you know, functionally half the field, and he's made a completely revamped defensive backcourt where all six guys had graduated or gone to the NFL. I mean, he's he's manned the fort and has made that unit a lot better than it should have been, particularly with you know starting true freshman on the outside and um, a converted wide receiver at one corner before he got hurt. So, I mean, Deontay Thompson's made a lot of money this year. That's the that's the name to keep an eye on. Um, but there's another name to keep an eye on for ill, and that's going to be Dylan Moses. Dylan Moses is he plays inside linebacker, and he is you know he's a fantastic run blocker. He's really good at uh, you know, shedding blocks and getting to the ball carrier. He's good at pressuring the quarterback. <laughs> he is miserable in pass coverage. And uh, I think you're going to see in this game a lot of what you saw with um, Georgia. They particularly did a very good job of exploiting it and said it will miss early in the game. <laughs> you know, they're going to, to try and clear out and put receivers, slot guys, tight ends, backs, you know, make Dylan Moses play play pass, protect, play pass coverage. And 
he's going to get picked on a lot. So keep an eye on 32. I think he's going to have a, have a rough game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good to know. But, um, as far as confidence heading into this one, how confident do you think Bama fans are at this point? I mean, are people expecting the defense to sort of handle the Oklahoma offense, relatively speaking, or are people anticipating a a close one? I think people, most people expect that Oklahoma will get their, get their share of points. You know, 28, 31, somewhere through there. (laughs) It's the other side where the confidence really comes from. It's justified. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that honestly, Oklahoma's starting defense gets a stop against a healthy Alabama offense. Not one time. And I'm not that's saying, honestly my fear. No, that's not an insult. No, it's I mean, it's, it, it's very reasonable. I, that is my same fear over on this end. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's where the confidence comes from. I mean, Oklahoma is going to exploit some mismatches. They're there to be had. Um, if you can get, you know, single coverage on number fifteen, um, if you get Alabama into their depth, if you can pick on the linebacking core underneath. And I think all those things will be able to to be done where, you know, they hit a couple of shots deep early and some of the guys have to turn their back to the play and it gives Murray time to scramble. Um, You know, there'll be some busted plays. There will be some big plays. Oklahoma will will score. (laughs) I don't know that they can stop this offense from scoring. And I think that's where people are are confident about. That's why I'm picking Alabama. Matt, are you picking Alabama? I, I mean, I think so too. Yep, there I think we go. I would as well. Let me. I guess let me put, ask you this way. Uh, in, in, I, I, am in, I am interested to see the Oklahoma defense versus Alabama offense. Even though, uh, to your point, I think it's going to be a slaughter. What would be the upper point total that the Bama defense could give up to OU's offense that would uh, make you concerned that 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 uh, uh, Alabama would lose this game? Um, anything above forty-five. Okay. Um, you know, uh, going through the splits, um, you know, cranking it through through a magic multivariate database. I keep I keep getting numbers generated like sixty to thirty one, sixty six thirty five, and I'm not sure that that's too uncharacteristic. Um, but I think you know if Alabama jumps out early, especially with so many injured guys. It's not going to be a run-it-up thing. I think you're going to see a lot of clock try and run offs. But if Alabama gets in a position where, you know, they're giving up 44, 45 points um, and you're having to play a Big 12 kind of game, that would concern me. But, uh, you know, I I think we're going to get to the position where, you know, just, you know, one or two stops a quarter is going to to change the game. Now... During Saban's tenure, Bama has obviously been able to go to, you know, on plenty of high-profile bull trips over the years. So, have you been able to make any of those trips? Yeah, I've gone okay. to several. Cool. So, if you had to rank the New Year's Six Bowl trips by desirability, how would you rank them? Well, the Rose Bowl is first. Um, just, you know, for reasons of, of history, that's where you know the entire the entire jumping off point of Alabama football begins in the 20s in the Rose Bowl um you know the 20s and 30s and it was Alabama winning I think four of five of them was the reason why 
the Rose Bowl stopped inviting um, teams from the Southeast and Southwest and just made it a, a Pac-12, Big Ten. You know, uh, <laughs> they, they made it an exclusive party. So, and then in 2009 against Texas, after a very long 15 years wandering in the woods, also in the Rose Bowl, you know, that one matters a lot. Um, as far as like individual matchups, I'm looking forward to this one because, you know, it is probably the first time that, well, certainly in the last 17, 18 years where, um, you know, both teams are, are missing a, a key guy or two, but for the most part, you know, you're talking 90% healthy rosters and the game actually means something. Neither team's on probation. And I'm still really salty about 2001, to be honest. Really salty about 2001. I got you. And plus, you know, it's sort of like like Texas and Notre Dame and um, and Oklahoma, you know, in the, the 70s. Bear Bryant had a fantastic record, but did not fare well against the other national powers in the 60s and 70s. And so sort of to to try and even that ledger, because I think Alabama's 1-4-1 or 1-5 against Oklahoma all time. I I think the only win came when Joe Namath was the quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's, (laughs) it's not a good record. And the 2009 win against Texas is the only one that Alabama's ever had against Texas. So, I mean, I think it would be nice to be alive <laughs> when Alabama, or if Alabama can beat Oklahoma, that would be nice. I got you. But, uh, okay, who is your favorite Bama alum outside of athletics? Mm. Let's see. Probably Robert Vandegraaff. Interesting guy. Um, you know, he was a, a physicist and... You know, he invented the Van de Graaff generator and really sort of he's the, the intellectual father of the hard sciences on campus and you know, he was a pretty well renowned guy in his own right I think the fact more people actually in Alabama don't know who he is is probably probably a shame I mean you know <laughs> the campus is dotted with names of old politicians and uh, you know, all sorts of luminaries like that, but we really don't have a Van de Graaff Hall, and we should have one. Gotcha. Now, for OU fans who haven't interacted with Alabama fans, and now, me personally, I'm quite familiar with Alabama fans, having lived in Pensacola for a little bit, but for <sighs> people who aren't quite as familiar with your fan base, what should, I guess, Oklahoma fans who are traveling to this game know about them? Um... It's, you know, it's pretty equal on the Cretan scale. Um, you know, <laughs> That's what I, I mean, assume, yeah. It's yeah. definitely true. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be, going to be kind of, kind of ragged. The good thing is it's in Miami, which is not a cheap destination. No, it's not. Especially on New Year's. Um, so you're not going to be, you're not going to be dealing, you know, with, a, you know, Joe Gump from Selma necessarily. Um, you're going to have, you know, the sort of older, more affluent crowd. But just because you've got money does not mean that you can't be a redneck with money. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. We know that firsthand yes. here for sure. 
I mean, I've got I've got an uncle who went to U and went to U Law, and now is uh, a kind of a higher up in one of the state agencies there. And uh, yeah, he can he can he can boomer sooner with the best of them. So I mean, it's a uh, you know if 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 you're used to dealing with you know, sort of the alumni crowd at Oklahoma, <laughs> just make the red a bit darker, and I think that's <laughs> that'll give you an idea of what to expect. That's been my experience, and I mean, my interactions have largely been positive when OU and Bama have met in games. The Sugar Bowl, you guys were super hospitable. It was essentially a Bama home game, and you guys were classy as hell about it, so that was kind of refreshing. But, uh, you know, you're a Memphis guy, correct? Uh, well, I'm, I'm a Memphis transplant, but I've been there gotcha. six years. So Okay, Maybe. so what's your favorite place to eat in Memphis? Oh man, that depends on what you're in the mood for. Um, we'll just go with barbecue then, because okay. I, I assume that's what everyone wants. Um, Gus's you know, is great though in its own right with a chicken place. Are you a Gus's fan? I do like Gus's. Hell um, yeah! I, I don't like anywhere that I have to drive to get to Gus's. But gotcha. <laughs> it's it's you know I live out in the the suburbs, and you know so getting to a Gus's is pretty difficult. <laughs> you know there's there's a restaurant that really divides both locals and barbecue purists and it's rendezvous the the original memphis rib joint right off of beale <laughs> when it is on it is spectacular um when a few a few months ago you know sat down it was kind of busy so they gave us you know, you know some lanyard bread and you know some delicious barbecue red beans and rice and the ribs were fantastic everything was amazing but I've gone sometimes, and it's been you know just you know, merely average, especially for you know the price point. <laughs> Eric, Let's I'm go. glad you cleared that up with Rendezvous because I've been to Rendezvous one time, and it was apparently at a point when it was off because I've been trashing it ever since. Yeah, I mean you've, you've got to. That's the problem. I mean, you never know what you're gonna get or or who's going to get it. Um, it's gotten better the last year or so. And it's certainly gotten better since I've moved there in 2012. But we'll just go for something that never, ever fails. Um, Central Barbecue. Bam, there you go. Yep. Go to Central on Central, the original one, there in Midtown. And it is it is fantastic. I mean, you know, with Archibald's and uh, <clears throat> Oklahoma Joe's, it's probably the best pulled pork you'll find in America. So better than Oklahoma Joe's. Oklahoma Joe's is damn good. So. Oh no no! I, I said it's up there with it. I mean. Okay, it, gotcha. Yeah, yeah it's it, it's it's in the top three. Okay, uh, there you go. That's pretty high praise though. Yeah, it, but yeah, it, I've had it. It's pretty damn good. The ribs are damn good too. They uh, like I said, rendezvous. Like I had the you know the typical you know Memphis dry rub ribs and mm-hmm. the meat was too damn dry from what I remember. But then I went to Central and it was perfect. So I mean, I what Corky's? Corky's has probably the best dry ribs in town. Really? Yeah, I mean, you look at them and it just falls off the bone. Hell uh, yeah. That's, and, that's where I'm going next time then. Yeah, I mean, if, if you go to Corky's, definitely. I'm not a, as big a fan of the sauce. I mean, a lot of the <laughs> the local places use a molasses base. But, I mean, at Corky's, you don't need sauce. Uh, you, literally, you just look at them and they fall apart. So That sounds sexy as hell. So, yeah, I think I'm down for that. So, uh... Moving back to football, sort of. Which Alabama national championship team is your favorite? 
You know, I, I got some of your questions probably about five minutes before you, you phoned. Oh, and, damn. Uh, and I was, trying, I was trying to think of this. Um, you know, I'd like to say but your 2000, 2012 was really rewarding because it was against Notre Dame. And, you know, if now those two fan bases just simply do not like one another. And it's, it's I don't think sen- anyone likes Notre Dame. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it, it's, it's... We don't get a, along with them either. It's been a century-long pissing match yeah. we've had with them. Um, so that was that was rewarding. <laughs> uh, 2011, which is more a coronation, because I don't think a single Alabama person thought that they were going to lose a rematch with LSU. They outplayed LSU. <laughs> you know, five missed field goals decided that game. Um, 2009 was out of the blue um, you know how a team with you know no passing game and a 1995 defense you know, and you know two running backs you know can can run the table was, was pretty special I'm gonna go with 1992 though okay. um, <laughs> that was an, you know after another period of of wandering in the woods <laughs> and this was during the SEC's you know arguably the lowest ebb um, I think. At one point, either one year or two years before then, um, 11 of the 12 teams at the time had been on probation. And it just was not, it did not have a good national brand. (laughs) Alabama was sort of, they were, looked a lot like 2002 Ohio State. (laughs) You know, they had a game manager quarterback, one running back, (laughs) and a defense that made a lot of plays. And just was not getting very much respect nationally. And part of that, you know, was the conference, and part of it was, you know, the weaknesses of the team. And then to just, you know, go to the Sugar Bowl and absolutely smoke, you know, Gino Toretta and the Miami Hurricanes, <laughs> you know, it was as thorough an old school Alabama beat down as you could want to see. So I'm going to go with that one. Nice. Now, what's one thing about the University of Alabama that you think Oklahoma fans should know about? Um, hmm. Well, I mean, well, first of all, it's no longer made of the majority of Alabama students. The, the, <laughs> major, the majority of, of students come from out of state now. Um. You know, like Oklahoma, it's not just a, a one sport, uh, you know, campus either. I mean, you know, like you, it's a gym and softball as well. <clears throat> I think you probably have his beat in baseball, though. Um, yeah, maybe we kind of up and down on that. Yeah, I mean, we we've, we've just. Kind I think of... OU did take the series back last spring, though. I think I remember correctly, two out of three. So there you go. Kyler yeah. Murray went zero for eight, though. I, I hope he starts that way on the twenty ninth. That would make. <laughs> No, I mean it's, I mean, it's it, it it's a it's a gem in the middle of you know it's it's an international campus in the middle of you know the western plains of Alabama and Appalachia. Um, you go fifteen twenty minutes in either direction, and you're either in you know the old farm country or you're in coal mining country, and you cross the river and you were actually like in real Alabama 
Uh, and so it's it's incredibly insular. You know, it's not exactly you know like like Norman and Oklahoma City where that entire corridor and you know it's a lot like like Lincoln and Omaha is. <laughs> you know, you've got everything that sort of is built to serve yeah you know, the campus. I mean, in this case, while Tuscaloosa largely is is centered around the university, you go you know a few hundred yards off of campus and you're just in a different world. And you know that's both good and bad. I mean, it's lost a lot of its a lot of its little you know, regional character lately. <laughs> but it's a very good place to to get an education. It's a very good place to go and just <laughs> live a different kind of world. So that would be it. There you go. Who's the greatest musician the state of Alabama has ever produced? Lionel Richie. There you go. Uh, you know I've. Yeah, probably, and I'm sure people want me to to stand for Jason Isbell, who I grew up with. I, I, hey, he's really you, wait, really? Yeah, yeah, I was grew Whoa. up in. Yeah, he's I, my favorite. Um, I think he is. <laughs> he is the redneck Bruce Springsteen or Bob Dylan. Dude, I <laughs> I say that about his live show. He has Springsteen energy. As that's his really shows. that's really apt. It's, that's very apt. Yeah, that is a perfect descriptor. Well, and it's not just the live show and the fact. Yeah, I mean it's, people, it's the subject material. Yeah, I mean it's he's a storyteller. Yeah, and you know that's probably the best analog to it. I mean he's probably the best storyteller. Um, but I, I'm going to go with you. Best all around musician is probably going to be Lionel Richie. Well, there you go. That's there's not too much to argue with there. I would go with Isbell, but I'm I guess I'm biased there. But anyway, one last question, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a tough one, and it's kind of a stupid one, honestly. But Bear <laughs> Bryant or Nick Saban? Oh, I, I don't. You know, four or five years ago it would have been tough. Right now it's not tough. It's, okay. it, it's Nick Saban without a question. Um, Is he going to hold the same like legend status that Bear Bryant had? You know, with the uh, houndstooth hat and all that shit. I mean, it, it's is he going to be that type of icon? See, I don't know because there were some so much other cultural stuff, you know, sort of wound up in the bear. You know, depending on, you know, like I said, this was you know old Alabama, where it was you know a, an insular place with you know lily white teams and fighting the northern hegemony. And, you know, that still is really powerful and visceral for a lot of rural people in the state. And I don't know that, you know, Nick Saban's ever going to quite capture that, especially because he has been you know, so good on supporting, you know, players based on, you know, their politics or their race. And Bear Bryant could have ended integration in the state a decade earlier. He just had to say something very publicly, and he did not. <laughs> so, you know, anytime you're getting into the cultural part, I mean, I don't know that Nick Saban's ever going to do that. But as far as, you know, actual coaching acumen, you know, it goes back to something I said earlier. Bear Bryant lost a lot of bowl games. He was 500 in bowl games against comparable powers. Nick Saban just does not lose often to teams that are as good as the one he brings on the field. And in this day and age, when everyone's under a microscope, everyone's got athletes, there are scholarship restrictions, um, 
it's just it's so much harder to build a consistent program and do it well against some of the best trained athletes on the planet it's the consistency of his team every game that sets him apart from everyone else that's what makes college football so difficult and so maddening i mean you never know what you're gonna get with alabama you generally know what you're gonna get and i think that sets him apart on the field from bear Bryant. You got anything, Matt? No, I mean that was that was fascinating, though. I didn't expect a uh, like a cultural breakdown between those two. I'm glad that you you brought that up, though. That's not not something I had ever even even thought about. Yeah, well, I didn't even think about it until just now. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, well it's, done. It's, it's something you know that that I, I think most most of us around here have thought. Um, you know, because. I mean, Bear Bryant's still a, a folk hero, and I, I know that time, you know, separation from that can, can do that for guys, and Nick Saban is present and right there and, and kind of accessible. Uh, so I figured that was that was maybe kind of it. So, no, that was that was a great breakdown. Um, Eric Evans of Roll Bama Roll, he is the site manager there. Uh, definitely go check out some of their content, especially in the coming weeks. Uh, we got about two weeks before the uh, these two teams match up in Miami. Eric, uh, thanks for coming on tonight. Can't wait for this game. Thank you for having me, too. Can't wait to watch it. Big thank you to Eric Evans of Roll Bama Roll. He is the site manager there. Uh, again, great Alabama content uh, if you're looking to get studied up uh, on Alabama football before this matchup between Oklahoma and Bama uh, in Miami. Again, really, really excited about that. He had some great, great insight there. Love the discussion about uh, Bear Bryant and uh, Nick Saban as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's a pretty insightful dude, so I'm glad that we're partnered with him and that he's over on the other side and we're going to continue to produce some content with uh, him and the rest of those dudes over there. Good people. Good stuff. So, uh, yeah, keep uh, keep your eyes open for that, not only on their website, but ours as well. Yep. Uh, on the Crimson and Cream Machine. So, um, before we get into some OU basketball, give our uh, our picks for uh, the game. On the 29th. I don't know if we do. We need to do that this far out. Maybe that's no. We, we don't. Do we actually week. don't need to do. Well, you, we can do it if you want to. I mean, I guess we'll then, have another uh, podcast. Have it, yeah, we're not gonna it. we're not gonna write it in stone. Just in just in pencil. We're so. we're gonna yeah. We can Matt can change his pick between now and then. I'll keep mine the same. <laughs> Sounds good. Um. Yeah. I, I don't know what could possibly change in between now and then. I guess like if Tua like disappears off the face of the earth. Um, I guess that could change my selection. I don't know what. Well, yeah, what, I, mean, I don't know what apart from that would change my prediction. Unless stuff I just get nervous. Coming out about him maybe being questionable to play in this game. I don't really see any scenario in which he doesn't play. But I, I feel like they're gonna do everything they can to get him out there. But so we'll we'll give you away. Like I said, in in pencil, uh, one that is uh, could change, might not change. Just depends. Uh, but before we get into that weekend plans. Oh, uh, seeing Tyler Childers at the uh, Tower Theater on Saturday night, he's pretty damn good. I saw him at Kane's earlier in the week. but uh, Seeing him twice in one week? Yeah, yeah. Nice. I mean, both of them sold out like the day tickets went on sale back in June. So, I mean, he's he's kind of a rising star, I would say, as far as a non-mainstream country is concerned. So, But, yeah, he's talented as hell. You should give him a listen if you haven't already. Uh, that's not somebody. I'm pretty into music. I've never heard of... 
Of his uh, his album was produced by Sturgill Simpson. Do you know who Sturgill mm-hmm. Simpson yeah. is? Okay, so there you go. That's sort of how he... We've had uh, Sturgill Simpson and Jason Isbell references on this podcast. So There you go. That's how I like it. There you go. Um, that's cool. Uh, my weekend plan... You know, you know how sometimes people ask you your plans just so they can tell you theirs? <laughs> I think that's kind of what's happening here because I'm real excited to be going to a Broncos-Browns game on oh, Saturday. Oh, nice. Yeah, I will be get to, I'll get to see uh, Baker Mayfield play. Uh, cousin has um, some season tickets up there in Denver, so hell yeah, really excited. Yeah, I'll be flying it'll be out. Cold, but yeah, that'll be. It's cold. actually it's really not going to be that bad. I was surprised to look at the forecast and see it will be in the um, mid to lower forties. That's not bad. Not bad at all. And no. uh, there's a I think there's a difference between Colorado cold and Oklahoma cold. With Oklahoma, it feels like you have that wind whipping all around. Yeah. And, I don't know if humidity plays into that as well. Oh, it I'm does. Sure. Yeah, I'm no. Sure it does. If you get like I lived in the Florida Panhandle for a bit. On the rare occasions when it does get down to that temperature, it is like a biting cold. Like, I mean, it it just feels so much worse. And maybe it's because you're conditioned to uh, not experience that kind of stuff when you're in Florida. But I, I feel like the humid cold is a biatch. Uh, yeah, it, so. it sucks. It's the same way in New York and Boston where it's also pretty humid. So, yeah, humid cold is it, it's a legitimate complaint. I, I I'm, st- I'm I'll layer up. I'll also make sure to uh, drink plenty. That will always that'll help. Yeah. Yes, it certainly will. So. Shouldn't have trouble finding a tailgate at that. Stadium. No. As much no. as I hate the Broncos, they have some pretty good tailgates. Absolutely teams, not. So. And uh, I'm only going to be there for like 48 hours. I've, I've got to like like I've got to work and stuff next week. So yeah, uh, I had some airline miles saved up and nice. decided to take the weekend trip there. So yeah, I'm, I'm real excited for that'll that. That'll be that'll be awesome. Yep. Yep. Like I said, just 48 hours. Wish I could stay there longer. Really wish I Baker could, will probably I... get a win too because the Broncos are They're ass. Bad. They're terrible. They're so bad. I wish they were like a little bit better just for my enjoyment's sake and yeah. just so I could hear the. But you uh, can just cheer on Baker Mayfield. Mile high, and yeah. Watch him just shaft them. So yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of wanted to take in the uh, mile high atmosphere, and I guess maybe before the kickoff will probably be the best time to hear absolutely. that if the, if the game <laughs> goes as we think it's going to. So there we go. So there's uh, there are weekend plans. Oh, you basketball. I know that uh, they're playing USC at the BOK Center. Yeah, Saturday night. I'm interested to see what kind of crowd they get for that, but you know, I guess being at night certainly helps. And you know, a lot of Tulsa people don't really get the opportunity to uh, see this team that often. So, uh, you know, maybe they'll have a decent showing there. Maybe a little bit better than what we saw uh, against Wichita State for uh, at the peak. But you know, I they should have Jamani McNeese back, and USC is. A poorly coached basketball team, so uh, they have some talent on that roster, but uh, they were destroyed by TCU in their last game. I think it was ninety six to sixty one. Yikes! Yeah, they're uh, they're a bit of a train wreck. So I think there's a chance that, especially with McNeese back uh, in the fold, that this veteran Oklahoma team who plays very good defense will probably handle them pretty easily. Overachieving. Fair to say, yeah. I mean, I mean just in yeah, terms of the were... on on paper talent level, I'm not trying to. Oh, uh, I mean, like it, the guys this team all. is more talented than people may realize. I mean, there's definitely some athleticism on this roster, but at the same time, they were picked finished eighth in the Big Twelve in the preseason. So, you know, I it, I guess you could say, yeah, it is an overachieving basketball team. But like I said, yeah, it's not. These aren't scrubs by any means. Christian James is a legitimate player, and there's a lot of athleticism on this team. So. Fair enough. Uh, it's uh, our, well, one more question about OU basketball tournament 
track they're they're on the tournament track yeah yeah i mean i, I think the most reeks i mean obviously it's a little early for the uh bracketology stuff considering Never that too conference play on. hasn't started for most people it hasn't yeah, started absolutely. in the big 12 but uh i think it was oh he was like sixth in lamar lenardi's uh are they Lock. in the first four out? No, I'm just kidding. No, we are no. <laughs> we are months away from talking about the bubble. Ugh, first four ugh. out, last four in, all that. That good was stuff. a nightmare last year, but uh, with OU being sort of an undeserving participant in the NCAA tournament last by year, by virtue but, uh, of uh, Trey Young, basically. Yeah, got well, and I mean they they had the RPI in their favor too. So strength of schedule. Yeah, yeah, but they were down the stretch. They were not a tournament. They did team, not so. beat the eye test. That's for no, sure. No, they did not. All right, uh, you want to give some picks on this uh, this game that are subject to change? Uh, Sounds like you're not going to change yours. But. I was on the Bama podcast last night, and I said Alabama 55, Oklahoma 49, so I'll stick with that. That's really, really close to what I was yeah. going to pick. I, I'm going to say Alabama 55, same total. I'm going to say OU 37. Mm. Say OU so 37, kind of a blowout. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. And it's one of those games I think that the maybe final score won't be as um, indicative of, of how close the game is. Um, I just don't see how in this Oklahoma team can stick with Alabama for four quarters. I just Alabama don't think, is yeah. such a good team through four quarters, especially after think. halftime. Some of the adjustments that that Saban always makes are, are killers. So, yeah, I just think then uh, looking at that stable don't, of running uh, backs, don't underestimate you know Riley's ability to make uh, offensive adjustments as well. But at the same time, I just don't picture this Oklahoma defense getting enough stops against Alabama. So certainly, certainly, that's what it'll come down to. I think. So there you have it. Jack, good stuff today. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, we also want to give another thank you to our guest, Eric Evans of Roll Bama Roll. He was fantastic. Yeah, had, had some great stuff for us. Keep an eye out for uh, some more content coming out between, uh, in conjunction with Roll Bama Roll, but also uh, on both sides, uh, the articles that will still get put up. Again, keep an eye on both blogs, Roll Bama Roll, and of course, Crimson and Cream Machine. Uh, for Jack Shields, I'm Matt Ravis. Thank you so much for listening to Oklahoma Breakdown. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.